The date is Friday, June 10th, and you're listening to Entertain This, a thought-provoking podcast encapsulating all things entertainment. On this episode, we're talking about the original encapsulator of all things entertainment, Georges Pulte. So don't know who that is? Well, we've got you covered, because he wrote something called the 36 Dramatic Situations, and these form the backbone for a lot of the narratives that we enjoy today. So enjoy. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to your favorite show on the internet, encapsulating all things entertainment. It's Entertain This. Entertain This. As always, I'm Alex. I'm Michael. And I'm Nick. And we are still here. Yeah. So I edit the video version of this podcast, as you guys know, mm-hmm. this podcast. So for some reason, it only hit me today as the intro was just playing that the meta of me editing the podcast means that me thinking about editing the podcast will be something that I have to recollect on when I'm editing this episode of the podcast. Mm -hmm. Because I'm going to hear myself say that, and then I'm going to go, oh, that's me right now, and that's going to make my brain hurt. Am I making sense? No. No. I am sleep deprived. (laughs) I hear myself talk a lot in the podcast, and I don't like it, but I still edit it. You have a pretty good voice, though. No. Nope. Yeah. yeah you, you have the calm, dulcet tones that they look for. <laughs> you have the episodes... dull voice that everyone loves to fall asleep to. That's that's Nick. Yep. Well, definitely not <laughs> mine. Um, last week, uh, Michael was talking about uh, Elden Ring, and he, mm-hmm. he got to the point where you have no maidens, and I had to re-listen <laughs> to myself laugh at that part <laughs> for way too long you have no maidens i said i'm still laughing and then i stopped laughing and then i started laughing again it's a good meme <laughs> it's a very good meme hey and touch I grass just kept <laughs> laughing touch grass go outside please press Elden F Ring to touch is grass full of good memes oh yeah oh god and i just remembered another that i didn't even mention in the episode god damn it well mention it now what okay is it? so every once in a while you come across these merchants who sell you some nice stuff okay a lot of them play like these little violin things well the first like four notes are the same exact notes as Somebody come get her. <laughs> <laughs> and so every time I he- I walk past one of them and I hear that, and my brain just immediately was like, Somebody come get her. She dancing like a stripper. Somebody come get her. She's dancing like a stripper. So we're going to have to pay for that now. I think we took it a little too long. A little long. too far. We're good. <laughs> 30 seconds. Oh, okay, great. Um, How was your guys' this week? Good. Not bad. Just have a good, good. week. You have a good week? Anything, yeah. anything exciting happened? Oh, yeah, it was a long weekend. That's what it happened. It was a long weekend. Yeah. We were off on Monday. Maybe that's why this week feels like it's flying by so fast. Yeah, it absolutely does. <laughs> now I have to actually do work on Thursdays. <laughs> it's pretty rough. Um, well, the good news is it's Wednesday, which means another episode my of Entertain dudes. This. Mm-hmm. What'd you say? It is Wednesday, Wednesday, my dudes. dudes. <laughs> 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 Which anyway implies another episode of Entertain This and another week of a new topic, and that topic belongs to me. So let's. Um, oh, you okay? So let's get on with it. Sorry, go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> you you lingered on the M too long, and I was like, he's going to say Michael, 
And Michael's going to shit his pants. <laughs> no. <laughs> I'll just be over no. here with popcorn and eating it. <laughs> it has so, absolutely happened, though. I've I've definitely shit, shit <laughs> oh, my pants my live week? on oh. podcast by being surprised that it was my week. <laughs> this bit's gone on for too long. I'm going to the next section of this. <laughs> play, the, play the music. So... We here at Entertain This um, famously have pinned ourselves as uh, the encapsulators of all things entertainment, mm-hmm. right? That's how we've always sold this podcast is yeah. we're Entertain This, encapsulating all things entertainment. Now, that means that we want to, in our podcast, talk about anything that entertains, uh, whether it be a book or a movie, a TV show, a song, an artist in particular, uh, a painting, a museum. Uh, street performances. We've talked about graffiti in the form mm-hmm. of Banksy. We've talked about a lot of things. Um, because that was our ultimate goal when making this podcast was let's talk about everything in the realm of entertainment. Let's not maybe limit ourselves, but also let's uh, just create a space where if it entertains, this is an open forum to talk about it, right? Yeah, for sure. Mm-hmm. The ultimate goal was to create one thing that encapsulated all things that entertained. And I thought for the longest time that that was an original idea and that we were going to be the first to do it. Hmm. So far, so good, I guess, right? Well, first off, no, because there are plenty of other people who have made podcasts. no none that none that are so broad as to talk about all things entertainment directly on the tin but Mm -hmm. a lot of podcasts that inadvertently do talk about a wide variety of entertainment um not only that but we're not the first to attempt to sort of encapsulate entertainment into a smaller more digestible medium yeah uh as it turns out the first person to do that was a man in 1895. Wow. And I want to talk about him today. So sit back, be encapsulated, <laughs> and entertain this. So what the hell are we talking about? What are we talking huh? about? 1895. What are we, what, what are what we talking about? What are we talking about? I'm talking about Georges Pulte. Georges Pulte. Okay. Poultry? Uh, Georges Pulte. This is, you're on the wrong podcast. Oh, sorry. Um, No, Pulte. Famously known for inventing the poltergeist. That's a lie. Um, (laughs) The poltergeist. Who he he actually is, is uh, (laughs) he is a French writer to which history has kind of forgotten yeah, I, for for as the intro suggests, a guy who encapsulates all entertainment is not really ever heard about him. No, um, <laughs> our forefather in the encapsulating business, uh, Fulte, or sorry, Pulte was a was a writer, uh, and yet the only text that I can find that he ever wrote, um, mostly what he did was analyze classical Greek texts, mm. but. Um, the only thing he ever really authored to his name was something called the 36 Dramatic Situations. Mm, okay. 
So what does that mean? Yeah, there's the question. Uh, what it, what are the 36 traumatic situations? Well, let's first talk about what he was attempting to do. Um, he was working or continuing the work of uh, Carlo Gozzi, who um, originally identified the uh, 24 situations, I believe. Um, and what they mean by dramatic situations is the basic plot of stories. Mm-hmm. So when it came to, you know, the eight, 1895, there weren't movies, there weren't TV shows, there wasn't even TV. I don't even think radio was invented yet. Nick, you're the historian. Nope. <laughs> radio didn't come until like 1910 at the earliest. Yeah, I was picking up steam in the 20s for sure. Okay, great. But definitely as a household piece of entertainment, that was when we saw like the radio shows begin, where oh, yeah. it was like the old detective shows and stuff like that. Well, back then, uh, the best way to get entertainment was anyone did you read a book that's a good way how barbaric <laughs> but if i wanted to watch something i'd have to go see people perform it live yeah in the theater yep. and you know that the act of performance has been going on forever i mean yeah. since basically man existed since basically man existed storytelling has existed right there with it mm-hmm. uh, i mean you can think back to shakespeare uh to hamlet you know to i mean what what was the oldest story ever told somebody here um, knows it homer not homer simpson no. <laughs> is is it like written written the story the oldest story ever written come on guys the first one this. that came to my mind was beowulf that is correct <laughs> yeah i thought it's that beowulf. was english literature if you want to go back farther i think it's uh no beowulf is not english literature no i don't think no oh i was thinking of some king like King Herod, but that doesn't sound right. It's actually not that. <laughs> it's Hammurabi. So the the first story ever written was the Epic of Gilgamesh. Gilgamesh. Oh shit! Oh, I, I should have fucking thought I of that. I was in the full God crescent region. I was thinking. I was like, uh, King something, Hammurabi. God, <laughs> Nick, you're right. It was old English. I got my brain wires all switched you, up. You were right. It is the oldest English. Yeah, Beowulf story. is. Yeah. Um, Damn, and so I mean, that's probably got to be right there too. I thought that you were right, but then I was like, no, come on. That's not it. And then no. I remembered, oh, it's Gilgamesh. Just, just out here proving I'm an absolute fraud. As a <laughs> reminder to our audience, our fact checker's not here. We're, <laughs> right. both, we're, we're flying off the sea of our pants. And this, here. this goes to show exactly why we have a dedicated fact checker. <laughs> Cause we don't know what we're talking about most of the time. So Can't anyway, to Google. uh, basically what, uh, what Ghazi uh, and later, what uh, what Pulte was attempting to do was to uh, encapsulate all of storytelling into these 36 different situations, these 36 plots. They claim that any story or play ever told fits into one of these 36 dramatic situations. Mm-hmm. Hmm. So they were talking about plays uh, when when they wrote this list. Right. Now, we are going to pick up the torch today because times are changing, and I want to see if we can go through these 36 situations and attempt to add modern-day films or TV shows to these 36 plots in an attempt to pick up the torch and sort of continue the work of Pulte and Ghazi. Okay. All right. 
Have I convinced you? I'm I'm thinking so far in advance right now. Like I'm I'm anticipating <laughs> you asking it that I'm just like <laughs> come Nick, on, Nick's go. over there trying to play like five D chess with the situation. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Like, how can I do this and this? I don't know. Thirty six situations. Thirty six situations. So well, the- it it makes sense to me though because like we even did an entire episode about the hero's journey, mm-hmm. and That's like that in and of itself. <laughs> is a lot of entertainment yeah Hmm. yeah so it should be noted that the 36 dramatic situations was popularized as an aid for writers which is how i had actually found my way to it Mm -hmm. in uh search of sort of inspiration for the plot line of project icosa i stumbled upon the 36 dramatic situations um and it's just a list to kind of get you started. So a lot of people use this list anyway. So Mm. a lot of writing starts here. Um, So that's something to keep in mind for you writers out there. This might be something you want to look into to use. Now, this isn't a law of writing by any means. Um, The 36 dramatic situations was a theory, um, and a lot of people kind of discredit it um, Mm. to say they're less situations and more... um, motifs uh okay <laughs> to say these are things that happen in stories sure or these could happen in all stories so we'll kind of get to the test nearing the end of how we're going to test to see if truly any story can fit into these but let's go ahead and start with the 36 situations starting with situation number one now here's how this is going to work top 10 list it's 36. Uh, oh, I'm going to tell you what the situation is titled. They all have titles. Um, the next thing that uh, Polsey lays out is the uh, characters in which have to exist for this situation to basically play out. Um, I'll use the first one as kind of an example. But after that, I'm going to give you uh so i'm going to give you the name i'm going to tell you the characters involved in that story and then i'm going to give you a brief description uh of the sort of story that it's going to go through you're going to pick it up quick but we'll start with number one which is supplication that's the first situation is supplication now what does that mean (laughs) yeah what does that word even mean Uh, it's a form of prayer wherein one party humbly or earnestly asks another party to provide something either for the party who is doing the supplicating or on behalf of someone else. Okay. Did that help? No, not really. So this is like seeking aid. Seeking aid, correct. Okay. So here's what exists within supplication. Here are the characters at play. A persecutor. Mm-hmm. A supplicant. Right. Or someone who is asking for help. Mm-hmm. Uh, a power in authority whose decision is doubtful. Those are the gotcha. three characters at play. A persecutor, a sub, uh, suppliant, um, a power in authority whose decision is doubtful. Here's the other thing I'll give you. This is generally how the story goes. The suppliant appears to the power in authority for deliverance from the prosecutor. The power and authority may be a distinct person or mere an attribute of the prosecutor, e.g. a weapon suspended in the hand. The suppliant may also be two persons, the persecuted and the intercessor. 
Does any okay. of that make sense? Here's so. here's here's where I knew the next step would be is let's work this into understandable common common spoke English. Right. <laughs> so I'm trying to figure out if there's a movie like that, and the only thing that come to my mind is like something something because you're asking like for help. Maybe it's an EMT. Well, like. maybe maybe <laughs> it might help to think of it not as like an entire plot is one of these, but this could be like a piece of a plot, a piece of a plot. Right. Like I can see that. Yeah. Like a a good example. If I may, if I may add, seems like it would be Shrek. You have Shrek Shrek, (laughs) who is seeking supplication from Lord Farquaad to move (laughs) all of the fairy tale creatures from his swamp and the persecutor. There's no rule in this that says it has to be different people. The persecutor also happens to be Lord Farquaad. Hmm. Yeah, I got nothing. I don't know what could be. Because I'm I'm thinking broadly, like movie wise, if there's a movie that does this, um, but I got nothing so far. Okay. So they provide as an example, um, Esther inciting the king on behalf of the Jews for deliverance from the king's chief advisor. Mm, I don't no. think any of us know who the, any of those people are. What that story? No, that's from I, the Bible. No, yeah, yeah, it's a Bible well, thing. There, well, there you go. Yeah. <laughs> so that's that is the example they provide. Um, now, what I understand this to mean is you have uh, a prosecutor who is to deal out punishment. You have someone who is asking the prosecutor or challenging the prosecutor to not um, give said punishment because the person who ordered the prosecutor to deal out the punishment wrongly asked them to do it mm, gotcha so okay with that in mind i think maybe we have a little bit of a clearer picture i'm gonna go with polar express mm. excuse me <laughs> nice <laughs> please explain yourself okay so we have a persecutor yep. an elf who is about to put that one poor kid on the naughty list <laughs> for stealing his present okay we have a suppliant which is the boy that's right who is begging who is begging that they not put the boy on the naughty list Mm -hmm. nameless boy and then we have the power and authority whose decision is doubtful which would be santa claus Mm. okay yeah i I like it i like it coming around so that's one down Let's hit up number two. We're going to get this one quick. Deliverance. Yeah, the movie Deliverance. Super easy. Now let's see if it fits. So you have two, or sorry, you have three characters. You have the unfortunate, the threatener, and the rescuer. The unfortunate has caused a conflict. The threatener is to carry out justice, but the rescuer saves the unfortunate. Now justice isn't always a good thing, I think is... Uh, important to note is that justice can also be used as just um justice is dealing out what is to come whether it be good or bad you could say so it's getting I'm, even right i'm gonna say spider-man mm, I, Interesting. Like I like it let me lay it out the unfortunate mary jane the Definitely. threatener green goblin slash doc Ock the slash rescuer <laughs> spider-man <laughs> spider-man gotcha. i like it yeah, yeah, I, yeah, I think that. that works. Yeah, I think that uh, works. Yeah, I got one. Go uh, Shrek. Go ahead. Uh, Michael, you need to leave. <laughs> <laughs> the unfortunate Princess uh-huh. Fiona. 
True. A threatener. Lord Farquaad. Facts. A rescuer. Shrek. Shrek. I believe Shrek. in it. I think both of those work. <laughs> Their examples uh, were deliverance. <laughs> yeah. That, geez, <laughs> it's called that. They're just giving it away. <laughs> and Superman, the 1941 film. Yep. Oh, never seen it. There you go. I'd imagine um, any Superman movie really fits. Yeah. He saves the girl from King Kong or whatever it is. And uh, you yeah. Know. This is like the the baseline for any superhero movie. Big facts. No, yeah. this this is the baseline for any superhero movie. The third dramatic situation. Crime pursued by vengeance. Mm. You got two. You got two characters. You got an unfortunate. No, sorry. You got a a criminal and you got an Avenger. Batman. I can't think of any movies that might fit that. Yeah, me either. Uh, here's here's the description. The criminal commits a crime that uh, will not see justice. That's the important part. Uh, so the Avenger seeks out justice by punishing the criminal. So it is not about dealing out punishment. It is about someone who has escaped punishment. And now someone is plotting to deal out that punishment themselves. I think yeah. Batman definitely fits that motif. Oh, for sure. For sure. Oh, you could also say that maybe the Wolf of Wall Street is like that a little bit. But you know Ooh. who strangely doesn't fit this description? The Avengers, they no. absolutely don't well, fit. They do in. They do in. Yes, in yeah. Endgame. Yes, they do. Um, that is the only one that, though, is that the really only one. <laughs> Guys, I think we just got number three, like down pat. Their example was Account of Monte Cristo. Mm, oh, that's that's a good that. one. Yeah, that's a great sandwich. Good sandwich, <laughs> Monte Cristo. <laughs> Okay, number five of the 36 dramatic situations, pursuit. Okay. You got, you got two acting <laughs> factors here. That's you got a, You got a punishment and you got a fugitive. Uh, the fugitive flees punishment for a misunderstanding. Okay, oh. this, is, this is literally just Les Miserables. The example they give is <laughs> yep. Les Mis. Yeah. <laughs> Another okay. one is Jean The Jean Fugitive. Jean <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, that makes sense. <laughs> With your movies, so I think we kind of nailed that one. Um, but let's try to think outside of the box of those two and see if we can't come up with another one. So there is a punishment. It is uh, from a misunderstanding and is mm -hmm. a fugitive who is attempting to flee said misunderstanding, Aladdin. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That's a very good one. That's very good. The poor there guy. You go. This one is going to be fun. Um, number six of the 36 dramatic situations. Number six. <laughs> this one's entitled Disaster. Oh, okay. You have two factors at play a vanquished power and a victorious enemy or a messenger. Here's the description. The vanquished power falls from their place after being defeated by the victorious enemy or being informed of such a defeat by a messenger. Ooh. So this is good guys lose. Yeah. Ooh. So Infinity War. Yeah. Yeah. Um. <laughs> I'm going to say Stephen King's The Mist. Yeah, that's a very good <laughs> one. It's very good. The good guys. Um, I can think of a video game. You want that one? Go ahead. This is one I haven't talked about yet. Unfortunately, All things entertainment. It's, it's Wolfenstein. Oh, yes. Very good. Yeah. You get Mecha Hitler somehow. <laughs> very good. So their example was uh, Armageddon. Yep. Well, yeah. Obviously. <laughs> yeah. It's a disaster. 
Uh, I think another good one is Planet of the Apes, the yep. original. Yep. Yeah, that one is very good. Very, very good. All right, here's number seven. We're, number we're running seven. through these. Falling prey to cruelty or misfortune. Hmm. So okay. a, there are two things at play here. That is an unfortunate and a master or a misfortune. So here's the description. The unfortunate suffers from misfortune and or at the hands of a master. Cinderella. Cinderella has a happy ending. Oh, it has to be a, a, a not happy ending? Okay. I mm. think so. Hmm. But that one does fit. Yeah. Ooh, she's suffering. I would say mm. most of the grim fairy tales fit into this yeah, one. Yeah, they would. They absolutely um, would. And so yeah, I would say Cinderella for sure. Um let's think what else? The um what's the what's the little red riding hood uh animated film? A hoodwinked? Hoodwinked. Yeah. Maybe yeah, that's a that? good one. Don't watch mm. that film. It didn't age very well. I'll just leave it at that. <laughs> what about uh it's very bad. What about Catch Me If You Can? Ooh. I would say misfortune for sure. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. If if this is covering like the full plot of a movie, that is tough because like there's definitely like subplots within movies mm -hmm. where that is the case, but like there aren't a lot of movies really that go full in on like good guys lose. Yeah. I agree. You like those happy endings. Yeah. At least in Western cinema. Well, I mean, if that's the case and what we keep running into with these, let's try to think of movies where the good guy doesn't win at the end. Oh, you know what's a fantastic example of that? What? Ro the original Rocky. You're oh. right. He loses to Apollo Creed at the very end. And then what happens? Sorry, I've never seen the Rocky movies. Oh, you've never seen it? No. Um, so basically, the whole thing is that Rocky is a like amateur boxer yeah, yeah. who gets a chance to fight the world champ, like the equivalent of like a uh, 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 ba -ba -ba -ba, uh, Muhammad Ali oh, um, okay. type guy and uh, ends up taking him the distance uh, in the entire round or the entire boxing match. Uh, and because of that, he like technically wins, but he loses the match. Right, because that's that's how boxing works. Is you don't win by knocking out the other guy. It's how many hits you can score. Well, you can do both. Oh, right. Yeah, <laughs> I know nothing about boxing or Apollo Creed or Rocky, so that was informative. So okay. let's go watch those. The example that they give is Job, the biblical feature or the yeah. biblical figure. <laughs> yeah, that's um, poor guy for sure. <laughs> yeah, it's just being just beaten down. The Bible did not let the good guy win a lot, huh? Mm -mm. Oh, not in the Old Testament. <laughs> At all, even. Um, not in the Old Testament. The old, Here the comes old the next one. Little, yeah. The <laughs> next one is number eight, revolt. You got, okay. you got two things at play. You have a tyrant and you have a conspirator. Here, I'll answer okay. for Michael. Shrek. <laughs> You could make the yeah. argument, right? Or yeah, absolutely. Well, let me hit you with this description. Let's see if it fits our boy Shrek. I'm oh, sorry. Okay. <laughs> a tyrant, a cruel power, is plotting against, is plotted against by the conspirator. Yeah, Shrek. 
Yeah, eh, yeah. I'd say Shrek one, maybe Shrek two. Definitely. <laughs> I think it's Shrek. I think the example they give is Julius Caesar, which yeah. is like <laughs> Oof. obvious, but I think Shrek, I think Shrek for our modern day representation of a revolt. Yeah. You know, it's laughing, also, but it's true. Another, it's, another great Shrek's one though. One of these. Go ahead. V for Vendetta. Oh, good one. Good one. Yeah. Very true. Yeah. Very good. Yeah. I would agree with that. Hmm. All right, are we ready for number nine? Number, number nine. nine. <laughs> Out of 36, we're making our way through. Number nine, a daring enterprise. Here are the things you got involved. You got three different things that have to be in play. Okay. You got a, you got a bold leader, mm-hmm. an object, and an adversary. Here's the description. The bold leader takes the object from the adversary and by overpowering the adversary. Hmm. <laughs> Endgame? <laughs> Think about it. Well, when you say like Enterprise, the first movie that came to my mind was like Moneyball. Like, I, but with, with, with the context of like taking something by force, that's where it loses. Oh. Yeah, I immediately went to Endgame. I'm going to double down on that. <laughs> I'm going to double down on Endgame? Tell Explain Endgame. <clears throat> well, because the object is obviously the Infinity Gauntlet slash the stones. And then uh, huge spoilers, by the way. This is spoilers for Endgame. Don't listen anymore if you don't want to watch the film. But uh, Tony Stark slash Iron Man then rustles away the Infinity Gauntlet from Thanos and uh, saves the day, but sacrifices himself in the process. So I would agree with that, yeah. That's what I was thinking. That fits Daring Enterprise. Here are some examples that they gave. Oh, go ahead, Michael. Yeah. One that may work, uh, Mad Max Fury Road. Explain. Okay. So have have you both seen this movie? Nope. Okay. I live under a rock. Sorry. Okay. So Mad Max Fury Road, uh, if you put it into the context of what the end goal is, is them taking back uh, the original like town with water. Uh, oh. And they have to wrestle it back from a Morton Joe. Hmm. That is Max and Furiosa and the whole group there taking it back by force. Hmm. That's that's pretty good. <laughs> we'll see if that doesn't fit better for a different one, because that's that's going to be what I think we find is we'll be like, oh, well, this kind of fits. And then we'll get down the list and be like, oh, this fits a lot better here. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like we did with Shrek. Um, Shrek fits all these. <laughs> well, Shrek fits Revolt the best so far, I think. Right, but okay, Shrek yeah. is also just like a modern movie masterpiece. So it that's also masterpiece. true. Okay, so here's here's uh, some examples that they gave. Uh, you're going to be real mad at yourself, Mike. Probably. Um, the first one that they give is Raiders of the Lost Ark. God damn it! Yep. <laughs> this is the one that's going to piss you off. Are you ready? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Lord of the Rings. Fucking, you're right. God damn it. <laughs> It's a ring. The That's the object. God yeah. damn it. Well, it didn't come to my mind because they already had it. They didn't take it by force. It was just give it to him and then he had to go give it back and then take it. Ah, fuck. Now we're all in agreement. when I read number 10. We're going to let me complete the question before we give an answer, right? Oh, okay. sure. Yeah, sorry. Go ahead. Okay, number 10. Do I have to buzz in? Don't buzz in. <laughs> let me completely read out this sorry, situation. Okay. The number 10 on the 36 dramatic situations is abduction. <laughs> Don't let me finish. Here are the three things. Aliens. 
No, it's much <laughs> it's much simpler than that. Here are the three things that need to exist for this uh, dramatic situation. You need an abductor, mm-hmm. you need an abducted, and you need a guardian. Guardian. And here's the the uh, description. The abductor takes the abducted from the guardian. And now you may answer. Nick, you got anything? Taken. Correct. Yeah. <laughs> Starring Liam Neeson. Liam Neeson's Taken is the perfect example of abduction. They yeah. gave the example of Helen of Troy. Ooh, another very good oh. one. Yeah. But abduction is the correct answer. Yeah. I don't know why Taken wasn't my first thought. Mine was uh, Star Wars Episode 2 when they because they take Padme. Wow. And uh, Anakin and Obi-Wan have to go back and rescue her. That's right. Yeah. Mm. That is a part of that movie. Mm-hmm. Episode two doesn't give enough, get enough love. It's just kind of That boring. is a good one. <laughs> All right. Number 11. Uh, the Enigma. You have three things. You have a problem. You have an interrogator. And you have a seeker. The interrogator poses a problem to the seeker and gives a seeker better ability to reach the seeker's goals. Let's bust that down. What's that mean? Yeah. Hmm. So we have an interrogator who is talking to a seeker. The seeker is obviously looking for something. By posing this problem to the seeker, the seeker is better able to reach their goals. Their goals. Uh, you said interrogator, and that kind of rang a bell. Of uh, you remember the original Call of Duty Black Ops? Yeah, yeah where the guy's tied to the chair, and that's that's you, obviously. But he's like, Mason, what do the numbers mean? He's like, I don't oh, and know. then ultimately they're like pulling you out of the yeah. mind wash that you're in. Well, they're that's pretty good. Yeah. Um, mine went. My mind went to a bit of an unconventional place with this, but I think it fits. Go ahead. Memento. Explain. Okay, have have both of you ever seen Memento? I think I have. Okay, so the whole idea of Memento (laughs) is it is like a neo-noir movie Mm -hmm. uh, where the main character has amnesia, Mm -hmm. and as time goes on, uh, he gets like, tattoos just start showing up on his body, uh, and he is like trying to solve uh, some sort of mystery. I don't remember what exactly, but like as the movie progresses, he'll find like more clues and he'll have more tattoos that tell him like that are more clues for this thing. Um, and you end up finding out that at the end of the movie, he's actually the one who committed the crime and he's been the one tattooing his own body and then he forgets it. Okay. So how does that fit into a problem an interrogator and a seeker? He is both his own interrogator, interrogator and, seeker. and seeker. That's yeah. interesting. Yeah. Hmm. Uh, let me throw this one at you. Batman. Yep. <laughs> You yep. got the interrogator who is uh, Commissioner Gordon. Mm-hmm. You have uh, the problem, which is the general unrest in Gotham. Crime. And you mm. have a seeker who is Batman. What's he seeking? He's seeking justice for the death of his parents. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Now, given uh, the problem posed by the interrogator, he is able to uh, better reach his goals of obtaining said justice by providing justice for others. Mm. That's right. Way to go, How we Batman. feel? Yeah, yeah that, that makes does sense. Does that feel about right? Yeah. 
Then let's move on to number 12. <laughs> number 12. Obtaining. This one is uh, a bit more confusing with uh, exactly what the parties at play are. There are two different things that it can be. Okay. You either have a solicitor uh, and an adversary who is refusing, or you have an arbitrator and an opposing party. Hmm. So here's the description. The solicitor is at odds with the adversary who refuses to give the solicitor an object in the possession of the adversary. Um, or it's an arbitrator decides to uh, decides who gets the object desired by the opposing parties. So oh, okay. immediately I'm thinking um, Wisdom of Solomon, the baby. Oh, okay. Does that make sense? He's like, I'm going to cut this baby in half. You got the two parties. One of them's like, go ahead, then we'll both have half a baby, which is stupid. And then <laughs> yeah. the other person's like, no, don't cut the baby in half. And then Solomon's like, obviously you're the mother because you didn't want me to cut the baby in half. And obviously you belong in a mental institution for wanting me to cut the baby in half. <laughs> I don't think that's what he said, but he might as well have. Um, <laughs> but a modern day example that I can think of is Knives Out. I still have not seen that. I, need I did an to. entire episode on Knives Out. I know, Out. I know. And I remember the whole episode. I just like, I just need to go see the movie. So Knives Out is, there's a murder mystery and they're trying to decide who killed him uh, and also who gets all of his stuff, this mm -hmm. millionaire. Mm -hmm. So I guess Clue would also work. Yeah, by extension. Yeah, that would. Huh. Yeah, I got nothing for this one, unfortunately. <laughs> I'm trying, there has to be like a movie about like someone dying and passing things on to like the different family members and there being some sort of uh, fight over something. And that's like, I don't know. I just can't. Can think. I throw another one at you? Yeah. Lemony Snicket's A Series of Unfortunate Events. Ooh, Nailed it. yeah. Nailed it. Yeah, that's a great one. That one feels children. pretty strong. <laughs> I think we can go ahead and move on. I think it's. I think we're gonna we're gonna lock in Lemony Snickets for that one. Yep. Yeah, he wins. All right. Here's one. It's number thirteen. Number thirteen. Enmity of kin. Okay. Hmm. Here are the things at play. You have a malevolent kinsman and a hated or reciprocally hating kinsman. Here's the description. A malevolent kinsman and the hated, or a second malevolent kinsman, conspire together. Okay. Kinsman meaning like family member, right? Meaning like yeah, relative. Yeah. Okay, yeah. So you got a hated relative, and you got a regular relative who work together to conspire. I know a great example. Lay it on us. Yeah. Encanto. Ooh. Because we don't talk about Bruno. Yeah. Yeah. So who the Bruno is the hated relative, right? The hated Correct. Kingsman. And then yep. the mother would be Nope. nope. It's uh it's uh what's her face? The main character. Yeah, what's her name? I don't know. <laughs> Madrigo. Ella? Mirabel. That's yeah, it. There Mirabelle. you go. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I had to sing the song. Uh, <laughs> it's like the yeah, Mirabelle is the is the malevolent kinsman. Yeah. Okay. Anybody else? I malevolent. no. <laughs> Swinging a miss. <laughs> no. Yeah. I don't. I, was I like think my, that 
I think my, we can lock in Encanto. Yeah, I was like, my Definitely. brain ca- went like kind of to Black Panther, but mm. yeah, yeah, a, a little yeah. bit. Yeah, well, eh, they don't conspire together. Right, that's where <laughs> that's where it fell apart. But Lion King two. Oh yeah, because you got uh you got Simba's kid and you got Scar's kid who right. conspire together. Yeah. I didn't know they made Got a sequel right. to Lion King, honestly. They made three. <laughs> yeah. And then they made one and a half, which was Timon and Pumbaa's story during Lion King 1. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. People really only remember the second one, though, because the uh, Scar's kid made a lot of furries horny. Woof. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Gotta go. Number 14. <laughs> we're, we're, back in, we're back in kin. Uh, for number 14, Rivalry of Kin. So you have a preferred kinsman. And the rejected kinsman. Okay, this one's much more like Black Panther. And the object of rivalry. I think that is correct. I think Black Panther is for sure this. Here's the description anyways. The object of rivalry chooses the preferred kinsman over the rejected kinsman. And I think the obvious answer is the Kingdom of Wakanda chooses, uh, of course, and and so on and so forth. You, and you, you can continue also from there. Kind of make the argument for Black Widow, I guess, maybe a little. Let's hear it. I, mean, I don't know if one is favored over the other, but there's the two sisters uh that are kind of vying for their parents' attention, perhaps. Have you seen the movie? I have. That doesn't happen in the movie. It's been a minute. <laughs> <laughs> that doesn't happen in the movie. <laughs> one of them's one of them is like uh Scarlett Johansson is uh she does the things. I'm drawing a blank. What happens in the movie? I'm sorry. <laughs> they just get together and they fight against the uh, the the giant collection of Black Widows. So perhaps that'd be a better example for the previous. Maybe. Perhaps. Well, I don't think that she's hated either. I don't no. think that one fits. Maybe it'll fit somewhere else. Perhaps. Continue. This next one's spicy. Are you guys ready for a spicy one? Let's do it. I guess. Number 15. <laughs> Murderous Adultery. Murderous adultery. Ooh. Interesting. Spicy. Here's what you got. You got two adulterers and you have a betrayed spouse. So you have the two adulterers conspire to kill the betrayed spouse. Conspire. Fuck. Conspire. Huh. Oh, conspire to kill a spouse. Damn it. I was like, my brain was like, oh, the great Gatsby. Yeah, yeah, the Great Gatsby, Kinda. almost, but almost. then it doesn't really play out. Really close. Um, Midnight in Paris. Never seen it. Yeah, uh, it fits to an extent. They don't go through with it, but it's talked about. Mm. <laughs> yeah, got nothing here. That's a hard one. It feels yeah. like that should be an easy one, but that's a very hard one. Yeah, <laughs> they just well, it's like make there's more movies like that. There's plenty of movies where that I know of where it's like adultery happens, but it's yeah. like where one dies. No, that that or conspires. Yeah, I don't know that. Hmm. hmm. Well, here's what they had. Uh, no, none of these. None of these work. <laughs> I didn't, none of them. <laughs> I'm going to do it. None of them work. Um, yeah, I think that the closer we're going to get to Midnight in Paris, if you have a better idea out there in our viewing audience, hit us with it. Here's your prompt. Name a movie that fits this dramatic situation. A murderous adultery. Two adulterers and a betrayed spouse. Two adulterers conspire to kill the betrayed spouse. You got something. 
let us know. Uh, let's go to number 16. Number 16. This one's called Madness. I think you I already two. got one. You got a madman and you got a victim. And here's the description. The madman goes insane and wrongs the victim. What you got? The Shining. The Shining. That's the one yeah, that they that's got too. To too. That's the one that they got too. <laughs> yep. I think we nailed that one. Let's go to number 18, which is involuntary crimes of love. Here's what you got. You got a lover, you got a beloved, and you got a revealer. Uh, mm. The lover and the beloved have unknowingly broken a taboo through their romantic relationships, and the revealer reveals this to them. I mean, come on. Like, come, well, the, the classic example in Oedipus. Like, yep. come on. <laughs> of course. Because they're mom and dad. But a modern <laughs> example... Um, a modern example would be there's an episode of that 70s show where they trick uh uh what's his name the skinny one which skinny one <laughs> ah, the one who's do the one who who's in love with the redhead i eric. haven't seen that show in a while eric they trick Foreman. eric yeah. into falling in love with his cousin because his cousin says we're not cousins and then when he tries to seduce her in front of his dad she says I can't believe you're doing this. We are cousins. Oh, no. <laughs> She's both the beloved and the revealer. Oh, no. Oh. Weird show that was. <laughs> oh, shit. Just no good. Uh, but th I think that's as far into that one as we want to get. Number 19. <laughs> Please move on quicker. <laughs> Oedipus was the perfect example. And Oedipus was also the first motherfucker. Yep. Um, nice. Thank you. Wasn't mine. I stole it. Um. <laughs> anyway, uh, let's go to number nineteen, which is slaying of kin unrecognized. So you got, you got two. You got the slayer, and you got the unrecognized victim. Right. Uh, the slayer kills an unrecognized victim. I have to go with a book mm. reference on this one. Uh, what's that one with the bones in it? Is it called The Lovely Bones? No, that's a movie too. Okay, yeah, the the movie is made probably from the book, but um, the unrecognized victim is that one lady, one little girl gets uh, stabbed and then shoved in a cornfield or something. And the assailant, or who is the other person, sorry? Uh, the Slayer. The Slayer, yeah. So the Slayer gets away with it for a time and then, you know, eventually gets brought to justice. I think that's how that book goes. It's been a while since I've read it. You know, leave a comment if you <laughs> if you actually know can verify that. <laughs> I don't know. I haven't seen it. I wanted yeah. to say it's called Them Bones, but I was like, no, it's Alice in Chains. So, can <laughs> <laughs> unrecognized. So somebody like kills somebody else without knowing who they are. Right. To come to find out, they're kin. Oh, they're kin. So they're related in some way. No, I don't know if they're related. So scratch that. I've got no clue on this one. I feel like there. I feel like this seems like something that would feel like a very common trope in like yeah. classical plays. Mm. But I feel like if somebody wrote a movie about world or about the Civil War about two brothers, this could easily be the plot of that movie. Yeah. Oh, for sure, for sure. So we're gonna write that movie. <laughs> okay, maybe you <laughs> not right now. Gettysburg. I don't know. A maybe, bit? maybe a little bit. I don't know. I know that one's hard. That's another one for the audience. If you got something, throw it our way. Number 20. Self-sacrifice for an ideal. So you have a hero, you have an ideal, 
you have a creditor or a person slash thing sacrificed. Here's the description. The hero sacrifices the person or thing for their ideal, which is taken by the creditor. Taken by the creditor. Hmm. Hmm. I guess you could argue Mel Gibson's We Were Soldiers. Explain. Uh, because they're they're soldiers in Vietnam and they're laying down their lives for the ideal of America or patriotism or whatever it is. And then I guess the creditor would be their families. But I don't know. It kind of falls apart at that that third rung there. So I have a I have a few movies for this one. Go ahead. You got the original Avengers. Oh, that's Tony a pretty Stark. good one. Nice. Uh, you have three hundred. <laughs> nice. <laughs> um, you have um, uh, the Iron Giant. Iron Giant. Yeah. Have when was the last time you watched the Iron Giant? When that's I was true. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> one of the like best scenes of like any movie is the Iron Giant just flying up to intercept the missile. I think. Uh, and say he's like, Superman. Yeah, I am Superman. It's very good. Um, I'm gonna count that. I don't care. Iron Giant wins every Iron time. Man confused because I hear like Iron Man in my head. And We're gonna I... move on. Okay. <laughs> he was self-sacrifice for a kin. You got a hero. You got a kinsman. You have a creditor or a person slash thing sacrificed. The hero sacrifices a person or thing for their kinsman, uh, which is then taken by the creditor. Here's what I'm going to say. I don't know if you guys have seen it, but Sereno de Bergerac is nope. perfect. Uh, the movie just came out, um, but it was a play before this. And the idea is, um, I would say the hero is, uh, I don't know the guy's name, but he's the guy who's also in love with the one that Sereno's in love with. I only know Sereno's name, so strap it. Um, <laughs> a kinsman is obviously Sereno, and uh, the person slash thing sacrificed uh, I would say is the hero sacrifices himself uh, in battle so that Cyrano can ultimately have the love of his life who uh, he is in love with. So they go. Good sacrifice movie. Wait. For Kinsman. All sacrifice for passion. This fits way better. This is Cyrano. Oh, that's, okay. That's <laughs> okay. number 22. Cyrano's number 22. If you say so. Sacrifice like, for kin is different. The beginning of Hunger Games? Let me hit you with this one. <laughs> A Quiet Place. Oh yeah, hmm. that's a great one. I think that's better for self-sacrifice for kin. It's very literally good. that's the plot of a of a quiet place. Right. Oh, gotcha. Okay. <laughs> okay. So number twenty-two is all sacrificed for passion. You have a lover, an object of fatal passion, and a person slash thing sacrificed. A lover sacrifices a person or thing for the object of their passion, which is then forever lost. I would say that is Cyrano, but I have a better one, I think, after reading it, which is Titanic. Yeah. Oh. It's a very, even though he, they, it, it says nothing about whether the sacrifice was actually needed, because God damn it, he could have fit on that. I think we all agree swim, on that. You know? yeah. <laughs> we're doing kind of a speed run because we're running short on time, but I think that Titanic fits. Yes. So agreed. we're good to move on. So number 23 is necessity of sacrificing loved ones. You have a hero, a beloved victim. And the necessity for the sacrifice. The hero wrongs the beloved victim uh, because of the necessity for their sacrifice. An example that they have is Binding of Isaac. Okay. Uh, I was going to say that one scene, and I don't remember which Avengers movie it is, but... Uh, we can't do the Avengers every time. Well, I have There's to. There's too many of them. Seen. But the blue lady <laughs> falls off a cliff 
and that gives Thanos the the whatever stone, the blue. <laughs> I don't know. That's actually fair, and it does fit. So yes, I'm counting that. Thank you. I'll pat myself on the back for that one. Um. <laughs> oh, uh, ba ba ba. Go ahead, say Shrek again. <laughs> no. Um. <laughs> I think uh necessity of sacrificing loved ones in a way interstellar hmm because he sacrifices himself well he sacrifices basically his time with his daughter mm. so he sacrifices his daughter for I see yeah that does fit good fit yeah uh I want to say poltergeist because they have to send that chick into the TV. They have to send they have to let their daughter go into the TV nice. to basically <laughs> fight these demons. Does that make sense? Yeah. Sure, I guess. It works. Anyway, number 24, rivalry of superior versus inferior. You have a superior rival and an inferior rival and the object of rivalry. An inferior rival bests a superior rival and wins the object of rivalry. <laughs> Tortoise and the hare. That yeah. does work but it's not a movie oh it should be <laughs> how about how about try this one on for size uh charlie and the chocolate factory yeah Ooh, that There's one's pretty good rivals. yeah i think that one counts they had godzilla versus kong it was, is okay. one inherently superior yeah godzilla obviously come oh, okay. on okay i disagree <laughs> all right here's here's an easy one are you ready adultery that's it Two adulterers and a deceived spouse. But no murder. This is different from the last one. Okay. Yeah. No murders. Here's the description. Two adulterers conspire against a deceived spouse. Conspire against a deceived... Okay. Um, Here's the problem is people who cheat on their spouses are not likable in any way that you make them. You cannot make them likable. So people nowadays don't make movies about it. Yeah. Nobody wants to see that. Oh, 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 I got one. Go ahead. Brokeback Mountain. Nice. Do they have wives? Yeah. Probably. I didn't know that. Yeah. Um, the example they gave is a, a movie called Brothers, which had uh, Tobey Maguire in it. Oh, but that's, impl- that's it's implied. That's not like real. That's the that's the driving tension. Well, there you go. But it's not real. Right, and that's what makes it a tragic movie. <laughs> we got we got 10 more in this and then we and then we can play a fun little game. OK, uh, we got Crimes of Love. I hope you guys are remembering these because when we play our game, it's going to become important. You're going to probably want to pull up the yeah, wiki page yeah, that okay. I'm looking at when we do that. But don't do it yet because you'll see all of the examples and it will sway your opinions. Um, crimes of love. You have a lover and a beloved. You have a lover and the beloved break into a taboo by inciting a romantic relationship. Oh, dude, this is easy. Romeo and Juliet. Obviously. Yeah. Am I right? <laughs> So you know what, Titanic. Okay, yeah. Is it? It's not really like a crime, though. No, but it's you know it's kind different of social classes, yeah. and it becomes yeah. taboo. And there's a big fight that breaks out on the Titanic, and then it sinks. So it ultimately didn't matter, but <laughs> it sinks fair, because fair. of the fight. Yeah. No. Yes. Exactly. <laughs> no, okay. Here's another one. Um, discovery. This is number twenty-seven. Discovery of the dishonored. Of a loved one. So, discovery of the dishonor of a loved one. You have a discoverer and the guilty one. The discoverer discovers the wrongdoings committed by the guilty one. Oh. Could, could I say Knives Out? 
Mm, Does that I work? think this is more so like finding out your grandpa was a Nazi. <laughs> oh no. <laughs> gotcha. <laughs> uh, hmm. So you find out the crimes of a loved one. Uh, I'm going to say if you've watched it, you're going to get it. If you haven't, then you won't. But uh, Gravity Falls. Okay. As a series, it fits. You just got to trust me on this one. Yeah, I believe you. Yeah. Um, what else? I'm sure Downton Abbey's like that. I've never seen it, but it sounds like it would be. <laughs> We're just taking guesses here. Anyway, Probably let's like see number Star 28. Wars, I don't know. <laughs> number, number 28 is Obstacles to Love. You have two lovers and an obstacle. The two lovers face an obstacle together. This one's Romeo and Juliet. Yeah. <laughs> this, one, yeah. <laughs> this one's definitely like fits on the nose Romeo and Juliet. <laughs> you could argue West Side Story as well. If you say two lovers, then yeah, it kind of hits so yeah right. let's go let's go let's make it different let's say <laughs> let's say a west side story all right number 29 uh you have an enemy loved you have a lover and a beloved enemy and then you have the hater quote unquote enemy. <laughs> the hater <laughs> the allied lover and hater are di- diametrically opposed attitudes towards the beloved enemy the beloved enemy uh who could that be so this is a triangle basically right okay like i hate him but he loves him and i love him what would be a good example of this one drawing a blank i'm gonna pass um monster in law i thought for some reason you were gonna say monsters inc <laughs> yeah. no monster have you guys seen monster in law no with, with j-lo it's about uh her falling in love with a man and uh meeting her his mother finding out that his mother doesn't want them to get married so she actively works towards breaking them up so you have uh j-lo acting as the um the hater no you have the mother acting as the hater you have um the uh the lover being uh j-lo and i think that the um no, the beloved enemy would be the mother, and then the lover would be the husband, and then the uh, hater would be J-Lo in, mods, in mm. Monster in Law. Sure, if you say so. Try this one on for size for this. Go ahead. Do you remember the Disney Channel original movie, Mom's Got a Date with a Vampire? I don't think that's true. <laughs> <laughs> But it might That's be. That's not a real movie. Get out of here. <laughs> no, um, maybe uh, maybe a better example, kind of following along with the vampire trend, Twilight. Oh, that's pretty good. Uh, yeah, you got Rex, the yeah. the two like the vampires and werewolves going at it, but then you got Are Bella. You that works. Yeah. That one hundred percent works. Yeah. Um, here's number thirty. It's called ambition. You have an ambitious person, a thing coveted, and an adversary. The ambitious person seeks the thing coveted and is opposed by the adversary. Hmm. Hmm. Think covered it and there's an adversary. Um, hmm. I'm gonna say Star Wars. Yeah, I'll say it. Okay. Yeah. Which one? Because you got an ambitious person being Anakin Skywalker. Yep. You have the thing, uh, the coveted thing, which is a seat on the Jedi Council, and you have the opposed adversary, which is the rest of the Jedi Council. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> You'd say the Sith, maybe too, but I don't know. They're kind of a third party. Mm. Well, I mean, this is this also fits with Raiders of the Lost Ark. 
Okay. Go ahead. Yeah. Well, you have Indiana Jones who's trying to find the Ark of the Covenant and he's being opposed by Nazis. That's true. <laughs> History's ultimate bad guy. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Are you guys ready for one that's going to be big? Sure. Number 31 is conflict with a god. Ooh. <laughs> you got two things. You got a mortal and you got an immortal. Here's the description. The mortal and the immortal enter a conflict. Okay. Um, this is Mom's Got a Date with a Vampire. Yeah, that's fair. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> that's very fair. Um, in a way, Lord of the Rings. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Correct. Yeah. Absolutely. We'll take it. All right. Here comes number 32. Mistaken jealousy. You have a jealous one. You have an object for whose possession he is jealous. You have a supporting accomplice, and you have a cause or an author of the mistake. So here's the description. The jealous one falls victim to the cause or the author of the mistake and becomes jealous of the object uh, and becomes conflicted with the supposed accomplice. Okay. That seems kind of worded. Uh, it is convoluted. The idea is there is someone who hears something from an un, un, uh, unaccredited source mm. and becomes jealous and thus opposed to somebody involved in the rumor that was never true to begin with. Hmm. Can I guess Mean Girls for this? I think Mean Girls works. Yeah. I think that, yeah, Mean Girls works. Yeah. On a couple different levels. Yeah, we'll say Mean Girls for number 32. That's our answer. What's your answer at home? (laughs) Email us now. If you don't email us right now, it won't go through. Um, Erroneous judgment is number 33. Anybody know what the word erroneous means? Wrong. Uh, Yeah, wrong. (laughs) It's an error. Uh, Yeah, that's basically it. Got it. It's an error in judgment. So you have a mistaken one a victim of the mistake, and a cause or author of the mistake. And then you have the guilty one. So the mistaken one falls victim to the cause or the author of the mistake and passes judgment against the victim of the mistake um, when it should have been passed to the guilty one instead. Uh, I'm pretty sure this is uh, the Green Mile. Yeah, you're right. Hmm. That's a very good one. Are we happy with that? Can we submit that one for evidence? Yeah, go ahead. The Green Mile. Green Mile. Do we all understand why the Green Mile fits? Yeah. We have a mistaken one who is, you know, the guy who heals people. Um, no, sorry. The mistaken one is the police, basically. Uh, the victim of the mistake is the one who heals people. Um, the cause or author of the mistake is basically they found him with those dead kids. And the guilty one is the guy who actually injured the kids to begin with. Okay. Yeah. Uh, this next one, number 34, we're almost done. Number 34 is remorse. You have a culprit, a victim, or the sin, and an interrogator. So you have the culprit wrongs the victim or commits the sin and is at odds with the interrogator who seeks to understand the situation. Hmm. You can say a lot of things for this. But I can't think of one. 
I think that the uh, Dark Knight is a good example of this. Okay. Yeah. Maybe the Dark Knight Rises. Is that the second one? Is that the one with Bane in it? Bane is the third one. The Joker is the second one. It goes... Uh, the Dark Knight, the Batman, Dark Knight, and then Dark Knight Rises. So the Dark Knight is the one that I'm talking about yeah. because you have um, the culprit who is the Joker uh, who commits sin and is at odds against Batman, the interrogator, who seeks to understand the situation. Yeah, he's trying I don't to bring know if he, I don't know, though, if he tries to, like, really understand the Joker. Hmm. Yeah, I don't know He's if he really tries. Yeah. Yeah. That's that's the hard part about this is like there's plenty where it's like a person commits a wrong and there's an opposer, but like where is it where like the opposer tries to understand? Have you guys seen the movie Identity? No. No. So that's John Kuzak plays an investigator who is trying to investigate these murders that keep happening, come to find out that all of these people being murdered are actually different identities in one person's head. And John Cusack is actually one of those identities. Mm. Um, the last of the identities to remain. That one kind of fits. Okay. A little bit, because he's he's a murderer. He has an identity that murders people. Um, so that's his remorse. Mm. The interrogator being the doctors who are trying to figure out why he did it. Yeah. Um, mm. Here's number 35. We got two more. Number 35 is the recovery of a lost one. You have a seeker and one found. The seeker finds the one found. <laughs> That's it. It's a very easy example of this one. And here it is. Finding Nemo. Yeah. Done. <laughs> <laughs> Done. Ship it. <laughs> so somebody gets lost and they go find him. That's it. Oh, nice. Yeah, that works. That That is number 35, recovery of a lost one. And here's the final dramatic situation and after reading this we will have read every story ever told <laughs> the loss of a loved one oh you yeah. have yeah a kinsman slain a kinsman spectator and an executor the killing of a kinsman slain by the executor is witnessed by a kinsman i yeah. just went and saw the northman and this is the northman Gotcha. Yeah, this this applies to a ton of movies. It yeah. also applies to Braveheart. I've never, I've actually never seen Braveheart. But the okay, the, well, let me hit you with this one. Well, the other one I was gonna say, which is very similar in the vein of these two, Gladiator. Correct. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so there you go. That's every story ever told. We've told them all now. We've wow. truly encapsulated all things entertainment. So let's play a game. Go ahead and pull up those wiki pages. Okay. okay. I have a random movie generator. And right. I'm going to spin it three times and then we'll stop. Uh, but we're going to have to come up with the three different dramatic situations that these are that this random movie picker throws at us. These random movies um, have to fit into that one. If I don't know the movie, I'm not going to tell you it. But here okay. we go. Random movie number one. saw okay okay so now i have to name the dramatic situation that this could be yeah okay um 
falling prey to cruelty misfortune check There's that. that's true <laughs> um from what i understand about saw the main thing that's happening is somebody is trying to figure out why he's doing it so they go in yeah. to investigate it so what i think this one might be is uh the culprit wrongs the victim or commits the sin and is at odds with the interrogator who seeks to understand the situation. Which that is number 34, which is remorse. Mm. Yeah, I don't know. I haven't seen so. I don't know. I feel like rem- remorse as a word, though. Have you watched Saul? I have. I have. Yeah. I mean, there's remorse in that movie. Yeah, for sure. Nearing the end. Well, but there, yeah, I guess like for me, it's like remorse is like the idea of feeling bad for someone. And it's like the whole idea of this one to me is like the a victim trying to feel remorse for the culprit. Yes. And it's like, I don't remember if at the end of Saw, any of the victims really feel bad about Saw guy. Mm hmm the main girl does she actually comes back in later movies and is an accomplice to Saul once she understands his motive oh that's very good then very good then Hmm. let's go for number two are we ready yeah random movie random movie the Lord of the Rings came up but I'm not going to give you that one I'm going to instead give you back to the future two oh two okay this is the one where he goes to the future yeah well, what was his goal in this one? It was to help Doc with something, but I don't remember what. He, he had to when, stop his kids. Yes. Yeah. He had to stop the terrible future that he had created. Ah. So I'm going to pull up Kinsman. <laughs> right. And then it becomes he accidentally leaves behind the book, he, the book for all the like yeah. big sporting events. And then um, what's his name? Takes Biff. it back. Yeah. Biff takes it back to his younger self. Um. Uh, could reciprocally hating? Uh, no, that's not it. Could we argue that it is self-sacrifice for Ken? He's not really sacrificing, as he's like trying to fix something. Yeah. So where's the one that says Kinsman fucks up? Because that's got to be a dramatic event. <laughs> <laughs> Um, I see a couple of these fitting that one. Can't be vengeance because there's really isn't any vengeance. Um, From Biff's point of view, it's ambition. I was thinking ambition as well. I think it's ambition. Yeah. (laughs) The ambitious person seeks the thing coveted and is opposed by the adversary. Even if it's not Biff, it is Marty who the thing coveted is the future that or his present that he wanted back. Yeah. yeah, yeah, I could see that. So I think that's the answer. Biff. Here we go again. Are we ready? Yeah. The final test. Let's see what you've learned. Groundhog's Day. <laughs> oh, okay. Uh, hmm. I almost wonder if conflict of, with God is almost there. Right. <laughs> no, it pretty much is, except there's no like literal God in the movie. There's kind of True. just him. Yeah, he is his own God. Bill Murray's God. That's the first time we'll say it. 
abduction also kind of works. Yeah, a little bit. Who's abducting um, him though? Himself? Mm. <laughs> Could be madness. <laughs> madness kind of fits. Because he's kind of losing it towards the end. Hmm. Falling um, prey to cruelty misfortune? Read that one. The unfortunate suffers from uh, at the hands of a master. Well, yeah. Well, the master being whoever is looping time, which is uh, <laughs> Phil, the groundhog. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Fucking Phil every time. I think that's it. Yeah. I think that that's it. <laughs> Where the master is the groundhog. Punks the master is the groundhog. It. That's it. <laughs> yeah. Punk, punks to Tawny Phil. That was his name. You're right. <laughs> there you go. He always sees there his shadow. Your... It's annoying. <laughs> There is your brief lesson on the 36 dramatic situations. Thank you guys so much for playing with me. You did it. We have now officially encapsulated all things entertainment, but we will be continuing the show. So thank you for sticking around and entertaining this. When we get back, Michael's got a quick this. And we're back. Hey there. (laughs) There's a musical interlude that does not get added into the visual uh, show. And it's probably fun for people to watch us sit silently for a moment and then jump right back into it. If you want to see that, check out our YouTube channel. Michael, you got a quick this for us? I, in fact, do. Well, then let us hear it, me boy. Okay, someone get me a timer. No. Okay. I don't want to. So you're on your own. (laughs) I have a timer for you. Ready, steady, go. All right. So for all of you who are coming into this from last week, uh, you might have heard me talk for quite a while about Elden Ring and how that is one of my favorite games of all time. All the great stuff that I loved about it. But one thing that I ended up not covering was some of the things that I found to be quite irritating with the game. And I always think it's super important to look back on all the things that you love and being able to like more objectively find fault within it. Um, So I just wanted to cover a little bit of that. So uh, for me, I think one of the things that's really important uh, when viewing this is I'm making comparisons to the other past games uh, in relationship to this. Mm -hmm. And the most recent game for me that stuck out as the best comparison um, was another game that I might cover in the future called Sekiro. Sekiro is another game made by From Software. Um, But one of the biggest things that I think that um, Elden Ring tried to like co-opt from Sekiro was this notion of flow state of combat. Well, if you have ever played any of the Dark Souls games, there's kind of a flow state. But the biggest thing is that you are just trying to pay attention, dodge when you can, attack when you can, repeat, repeat, repeat. Um, Sekiro introduced a lot of like big spectacles. Because the whole idea with Sekiro is that when you're on the defensive, you are offensive. Uh, And that is kind of the basis for all of its combat. That concept doesn't exist in Dark Souls or Elden Ring. And so this ends up leading to uh, where From Software tried to create these big spectacle fights. But what ends up happening with a lot of these bosses, you're just standing there waiting. You're just waiting for the boss to do something. And it provides like not a lot of opportunities for you to really counter stuff. And so the, there, there are pieces of the combat and with the bosses, which is typically my favorite part of any FromSoft game, like that really just lacks. And to kind of go along with that, like 
one of the my favorite things about every single one of the games is that as you're going through these different areas and these different worlds, you're getting to explore these really cool and more intricately designed places. Well, unfortunately, in Elden Ring, uh, the end game for it is pretty lacking, um, especially when you compare it to the start of the game where it's like you're in the very beginning entry zone. There's shit around every single corner. And this is especially applicable when you get to like the land, the mountain of mountains of the giants. Essentially, you just get to the snowy area that's covered in like fog and you can't see. But like for like 20 feet out in front of you. And it's just trying to wander and meander this near desolate place that just feels so bad. Uh, <laughs> it just it feels so bad. Um, and kind of going further uh, as these bosses get stronger and stronger as they're going throughout the game, um, the more opportunities that they have to really hurt you and attack you without is any consequence. Uh a great example is the very last boss, the Elden Beast. Um, essentially, it feels like something that they designed, like a fight that they designed for you to fight on horseback. They just forgot to let you do that. Um, and what ends up happening is through a lot of the fight, like the Elden Beast will like basically fly away by like a good like 30 40 second run and so it'll do that like you get up there you hit it once or twice and then it runs away and you have to spend like 10 to 15 minutes of this fight no matter how strong you are just running to try and kill the elden beast and it is one Can of the you most fight it on horseback no you can't like <laughs> that's fine in in what? in my head like it, i imagine it like it was a bug in the game when they originally released it but it they're from software at this point is just too proud to actually go back and fix it. It's just like, that's just the, the way the game is like what company would ever admit to fucking up the last fight, the final of the boss, game? the final boss. <laughs> Jeez. Um, but that's yeah, rude. there's, there's lots of lots and plenty of other like little things about Elden ring that I find frustrating, but all of that to really say, Elden Ring is still an incredible game. Uh, the whole experience from front to back, except for the little bits at the end game there, are all incredible. And if you haven't had a chance to play it yet, even though I've spoiled a little bit of it, go give it a shot. You're going to love it. Pretty much everyone that I've talked to who has played it absolutely loves it and adores it. Give it a shot. You're going to like the way you look. Yeah. I guarantee it. <laughs> that really is the vibe I was going for. <laughs> <laughs> well thank you guys so much for joining us uh for this episode of entertain this we are always so appreciative hey if you like the show why not you know get some people to listen to it do you know that if our listeners that we currently had told 10 friends they could increase the listening uh audience by 10 isn't that nuts <laughs> yeah you could have our own I, little pyramid scheme yeah we could we could increase the number of people who listen to our show by by uh, i think 10 percent exponential yes 10 10 1000 percent a lot 10 hundred is 1000 percent if you told 10 people <laughs> right now if everybody listened and then we would probably be at about f- forty thousand listeners yeah uh, yeah that's how the math works mm-hmm. yeah lots of people so that's a lot of people so go tell 10 friends and i'll tell you what if they reach out to us 
on uh, one of the social medias I'm about to, to lay out and say, hey, I listened to your show. I really liked it. Here's the person who told me to come listen. We'll give you a shout out on the show. This part right here. Yeah. Get 10 <laughs> friends to listen to the show. Let's increase our viewership. Let's build a community. Anyway, here's a couple ways you can reach out. Number one. Well, first, I should do the call to action, which is if there's anything in entertainment that we haven't covered yet. <laughs> What's so funny? No, I'm uh, sorry. Continue. Anyway, <laughs> if, there, if there's anything in entertainment that we haven't covered yet uh, that you would like to hear us cover here on the show, there are a couple of ways you can reach out to us to get us to do that. Number one is you can go to our website, www.entertainthis.net slash etp dash podcast scroll all the way to the bottom fill out the little questionnaire there it gets sent straight to us or you can just email us straight away our email is entertain this podcast at gmail.com you can find us on twitter we're entertain underscore this on instagram we're entertain this podcast on facebook or podcast entertain this and as always entertain us so we can entertain you and you can entertain this we'll see you next friday bye see you goodbye peace out girl scout this episode of entertain this was written by alex seal with additional commentary from nick mustakangas and michael savoya our showrunner and resident fact checker is chloe price our theme music is rush bubble by aaron spencer with interstitial music by tjw tune in every friday for new episodes and thanks for listening